From Westside Church in Bend, Oregon, you're listening to Behind the Message. Each week we have a conversation that takes you behind what we teach here at Westside. I'm Ben Fleming. And I'm Evan Earwicker. And today we have with us the lead pastor here at Westside Church, Steve Mickle. Hey guys. All right. Good to be here. Steve. It's our yeah. first real Behind the Message podcast. We're yeah, actually going behind the message. Yeah, this is the first time I'm here. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. <laughs> We've been having fake guests on for several weeks, so it's good to have... <laughs> and they've been terrible. Let <laughs> yeah. me tell you what. I've, I've been listening. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we could actually uh, grade them with a point scale now, but we won't oh, no, do that. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. Uh, so, Steve, uh, great to be with you today. Uh, you just preached a message starting a new series on the emotionally healthy life. Um, and we should say this is based out of Pete Scazzaro's work, the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality book, yep. um, Emotionally Healthy Leaders. Is there any other uh, books? No, those were the two primary that we use kind of as references. So, why are we doing this? I, I've been in the church ever since I was a little kid, and I've never seen a church jump into a series that is called the emotionally, you know, emotionally healthy spirituality or the emotionally healthy life. So, yeah. so why are we doing this? How does this fit into the overall vision of the church? Well, I, I mean, I grew up in the church, Ben, and so I, I have seen my own life be really emotionally unhealthy, and there's never been a solution or an answer in the church to my emotional unhealth, you know, why I get mad at certain things, why I, you know, why I lash out at my kids, you know, you just kind of like, well, this is just the way life is. And yet our biggest thing is about becoming like Jesus. And if we're, if there's one part of our life that's not becoming like Jesus, then how are, then are we actually becoming like Jesus? And the answer is no. And so I think emotionally, emotional health is vital. I mean, um, you know, we, we, we act emotionally more than we think. Sure. You know, we, I mean, emotions are at the front of the line. We don't want them to be, but they are. And I think if we don't ever deal with it, if we don't ever talk about it, then we're missing a huge part of our discipleship and our, just our life in Jesus. I know growing up uh, in the kind of church I grew up in and not just a specific church, but kind of the church culture, um, it was almost like you could be spiritually enthusiastic as a replacement for emotional health. Like, if your life was a mess, well, as long as you're really passionate about prayer or, you know, or about coming to church or then we'll look over the fact that your life is a wreck and you're just spinning out of control. Yeah. I mean, how often have you, you know, have you been passionate about prayer and worship and, you know, and fighting on the way home with your kids or your wife? Right. You know, I mean, I've been there a ton. And so that just doesn't mesh, you know, for me, at least that just, that just seems so hypocritical to me that, that here's a space that... You know, I give God everything, but then, well, not everything, actually. And not different for pastors. Like, we're all pastors here. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And you alluded to this in your message, but, uh, you know, the emotional unhealth in your life, uh, you've been kind of transparent about some of that. Would you say, Steve, that right now that you are emotionally healthy, or where on the scale of emotional health do you see yourself? Yeah, I I mean, it's been a lifelong process. As my kids have gotten older, I've gotten better at being emotionally healthy. When they were younger, <laughs> i got to be honest, it was harder because they brought the worst out of me. Um, they didn't do it. Obviously, it's not their... I mean, that's one of the reasons we're doing this series is because so often we think the problem is outside of ourselves. Somebody else made me do it, and it's not. I mean, I, I cause most of the unhealth in me. But as my kids have gotten older, it's I've had... It's been easier, I guess, to say just to become 
you know, healthier. I remember when yeah. my when my kids were younger, man. They, I mean, it was just like they would. There would be things they just push my buttons, mm-hmm. and we all we all have buttons. We yeah. all have buttons, and recognizing what those are is a huge part of emotional health. And it's it's coming in clutch for me right now because what you guys are talking about, especially with young kids, you know, I have a um, a three month old and a two and a half year old, and I feel like I am an emotional wreck most of the time, and sometimes it's just driven by lack of sleep. But <laughs> it, it's hitting me right where I'm at. But then I really look back at the rest of my life and think about when I was, you know, dating my wife early on, or going to college, or in high school, and thinking that you have it all together, and understanding that you don't simply was just the first part of going through all this. But really, the more that we we jump into it and talk about it and think about it the more challenging it gets to really put your finger on what is emotional health and and how does it relate to kind of spirituality, you know what I mean? And that's the biggest question that I think I have for us as a church going into it, is kind of, where's the... Where's the Jesus in this? Can we make sure that we're keeping this Jesus centered? And you even brought up a lot of the science behind it that, you know, it's our, you know, hormonally we're like this and this is what happens to our brains. And I think maybe for some people, there's going to be the question of, well, where's the, where's the Jesus in this? We're talking about emotions and in, in emotional health, you know, Jesus talked about, there was the Sermon on the Mount and there was all this stuff and it was love and it was grace and it was forgiveness and gosh, emotional health. I'm just not really sure about this entire thing. I'm going to talk about this weekend a little bit more about Jesus because he said, you know, uh, before you can take the plank out of somebody else's eye, you got to, you know, take it out of your own eye. And that that's emotional health. So I think we've looked at Jesus's teaching and we've over spiritualized it to, and we've we've extracted the actual emotional bent to a lot of his teaching. You know, love your enemies. Mm-hmm. You cannot do that if you're emotionally unhealthy. There's yeah. no chance of that. So I think I think we've got to work on that bent to tie that together because it is it it is Jesus centric. Mm-hmm. He was emotionally healthy, and so much of his teaching requires emotional health mm-hmm. to actually live out. And so, um, yeah, so I think we have to lean into that. So how do you do a series like this when we're in process on this and not be hypocritical? Because I know some people would say, uh, you know, if a preacher's preaching something, they better have it dialed for their own life. Otherwise, they're a hypocrite. <laughs> but clearly, um, none of us are perfect. So how do you ride that line of preaching out of honesty and where you're really at without coming off, like you're saying, you know, taking the speck out of somebody else's eye with a log in your own. Well, to be honest, everything that I teach on is inspirational for me, Mm -hmm. not just for others, hopefully. You know, I I want to aspire to uh, a certain way of living just because I want want to aspire to doesn't mean I'm doing it. And I'm not going to wait to teach on it until I've been living it for five years. I'd rather just say, hey, I'm on this journey with you. And I think when you do that, hypocrisy, it's not even possible to be hypocritical when you're honest with, I'm on this journey with you. I'm not there yet. I haven't arrived there. The problem is when preachers get up and say, I've been doing this for a really long time, you guys, <laughs> yeah. and uh, this is the way. You, and and then everybody, and especially the woman in the front row, knows you're not living that out at home. Then you're in trouble. But when you when you're honest and go like, "Hey, this is an aspiration that we have to get there. Let's do it together." I think then everybody leans in more. Have you had any negative response from? just living that living that out what you just talked about with that authenticity from the platform and all that but especially as you've gone through the death of your son Chase and you've been so honest and open and transparent and talked about 
the real brokenness in your life and the emotional unhealth as, as you talked about it yourself. Has there been any negative pushback of like, whoa, you are oversharing, like, hey, you're making this the Steve show, you're making this the Chase tragedy show. Have you had any negative feedback? Just, just from me, Ben. I mean, I'm the only one that I've so far that I've been thinking that. I've been asking people, am I oversharing? Is this, you know, somebody tell me, you know, when you're tired of hearing about my son, yeah. you know, and uh, and nobody said anything yet. Maybe they won't. I don't know. But I, <laughs> what kind of jerk comes up? Like I stop know. sharing. You know. <laughs> but I do worry about that, Ben. But I haven't gotten any feedback um, from people on our team about that. I think, I think I do have to be careful that um, my story doesn't become the story. Yeah. Um, because there's a bigger narrative happening and it's God's story and how he's making all of us new, not just Steve new, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's a big, a big deal that is, if, as long as I keep aware of that, that this is not, you yeah. know, and God's not using my story in a, in a sense that is like, I'm the only guy that God's going to use to minister to people at this church, to touch people's lives in this church. So my story is not the story. And I think that's important for me to kind of grasp as I'm preaching. It's such a difficult concept. I think not just as pastors, but as people that are walking out the Christian life, because the Bible talks about the importance of your testimony and how your testimony will overcome the darkness. And, and, you know, it's the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And, uh, even people that are just sharing Jesus with the world around them, I think the testimony has to be a, a big part of that, right? So we should talk about what God is doing mm-hmm. in our own lives, right? Yeah. Well, it's it's inspiring, too, when you think of early church leaders all having walked through incredible tragedy. Like, how many how many early church leaders uh, had a trouble-free life? Like, yeah. you know, they were being persecuted. Um, not to mention just at the time, like what's the age expectancy, life expectancy, like 40, 35, you know, so everyone's walking through just a tough time to live and yet the focus stays on Jesus, but through their testimony and not yeah. in spite of it. I don't think you, you have to be careful not to always, it's, it can't always be negative. So testimony by its very nature says, I was blind, but now I see. So that's a testimony. I was, I am blind is not, is not yet a testimony. It is reality. It is where That's I am good. right now. But the testimony comes on the back end. And I think for me, I've been looking for that testimony when yeah. it comes to my son's death. I've been looking for that, not the, not the silver lining, you know, that I, I'm not really sure I even like that idea, but just I'm, I've been looking for God working. Mm-hmm. And I think if people do that, um, and even in their own life, even in their emotional state, like, hey, I had a win today. Mm-hmm. You know, I usually got mad at my kid for this or got mad at so-and-so for that, and I didn't today. That's a win. That's something to celebrate. That's a testimony, yeah. right? You know, And it helps, I think, us as church people not to be like a mopey uh, support club where we all just get together and say, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a terrible exactly. person too. How about, oh, yeah, you are too. Okay, we feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Almost like therapy that never goes anywhere. Right, right. I mean, there has to be more than and that, I right? think that's the question that some people are going to ask about, well, the um, uh, emotionally healthy life. Like, this really sounds me-centered. And I would say probably Corey Parnell gets that conversation more than anybody in our church with regards to worship. Right. Because you have different groups of people sometimes that say, oh, this song is about my feelings and how God can, whatever I want upward songs, not horizontal songs. And really, when you look at the life of David, who, man, when you're talking about emotional health, I would imagine David yeah. comes into the discussion. Yeah. There's a balance or there's a swing. There's This is my circumstance, and this is where I need God to come through in them. Yeah. Denying ourselves doesn't mean we stop being honest. About, you know, I mean, I think that's what Christians have done. 
We said, deny yourself. That means if I'm mad, I'm not going to tell you if, you know, because, well, it can't be about me. Oh, come on. You know, we are emotional beings. I mean, we cannot escape it. We don't want to turn that off because we are made in the image of God. And I think that we've got to lean into it rather than try. And But again, it's we can't all of a sudden become like, it is all about me and all about my feelings and all about my emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, as we're going to talk about through this series, emotional health is not just about my awareness of my own stuff, but it's my awareness of your guys' stuff yeah. and where you're at emotionally and, and, and being conscious of that as well. That. Because emotional health is if I'm aware of mine, but I'm totally unaware of yours, that's emotionally unhealthy. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you bring up the idea of silencing those things. And you talked about when we when we silence that, you you said as a result, we do things like ignore our, our emotions of anger, sadness, and fear. We we die to the wrong things. We divide our lives into secular and sacred compartments, and we, we cover our brokenness, weakness, and failure. What are... What are some things, I'm especially, what's appealing to me is that when we die to the wrong things, what are some things in your life that you're thinking of as you're teaching that, that you've died to that wasn't necessary or was uh, more your own thinking and doing than it well, was God's? I mean, I think some would say, well, you don't get too attached to the things of this world. And I've even preached that. But, but the reality is, is that we are attached I mean, we were, we're born into this whole thing. I mean, we are part of this earth, even. We come from it. So there's attachment that I don't think God just says, detach from everything, go out and be, you know, go out to the monastery in the desert and live by yourself. It's just not part of our narrative. And I think, and so for me, denying ourselves, it, it, it's not about, you know, I can't love deeply and I can't serve you know, with grace and kindness and compassion to my neighbor. It's living into, I mean, laughter, joy, celebration. Um, It's all of those things that we, we, that God gives us to enjoy and we're supposed to. Um, And so, yeah, but I do see in the church, a lot of people like, you know, kind of whipping themselves like the old monks priests used to do, you know, to shame themselves and like, I can't do this. I can't, I can't, I can't have these temptations. Temptations common demand. I mean, that's part of living in this world. And I think, you know, I think there's some desires that God gives us that are holy and righteous and good. That division of sacred and secular made me think, I remember uh, in high school, a lot of us, it was kind of a thing to do in our church group um, to get whoever was newest in their faith to get rid of all of their music that wasn't Christian music. Right. And we'd even bring them up in front of the youth group and like have them smash all their CDs and we'd cheer. And I, looking back, I'm like, <laughs> what were we doing? Like, that's, some, that's like so weird, you know, almost like this book burning kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, and now it's like, man, isn't God big enough to, to make it so we can't, we can enjoy things that aren't specifically made by like, Christian yeah. organization. Exactly. I mean, there is so much sacred in our world that has a label of secular on it. I mean, I will listen to a, a, a secular song and be moved, and I would say, by God, by the Spirit yeah. of God, uh, because of the melody, because of the words, the lyrics, whatever, that God has hands in it. There's things that, I mean, there are things that are just like outright evil. Totally, I get that. Sure. But that is like such a small <laughs> yeah, portion yeah. of our world, I, I think. Yeah, there, there's bad songs, but right. to say all of them that aren't. Yeah. yeah. And so I just was listening to Bono this morning. Uh, he was doing some more things on the Psalms through Fuller Seminary, and he's talking about the, uh, every, all art is prophetic. Whether it's God-breathed or not, all art says something about who we are. And I think that's the stuff, that's the good stuff. That's the stuff we should lean into. Um, Because I'm more emotionally healthy when I'm aware of the world in which I live in. 
and the the good, the bad, the confusing, the uncertainty, all of that stuff. I'm just a better person. I'm a more holistic person. I I get worried when Christians like create this little culture of just all safety and everybody's feeling the same thing. Everybody's got the same experiences and nobody's out there in the world kind of living it out. I get really worried about that. I don't want that for us. Why do we do that? Is that control? What, I mean, what is what? fear? I think it's okay. fear. Evan. I think it's, I mean, I, I love to hear what you guys think too, but I, for me, I think it's fear. I think we're afraid. Partly I think we're afraid that the world is going to get on us. You yeah. know, as if our relationship with Jesus. Okay, so if the world is gonna if the world is gonna detract from your relationship with God, then what I would say is get a deeper relationship with God. Don't right. don't like you know remove yourself from the things of of this world because there's things there that God wants us to be in. You know, but I think it's fear. I think that's probably one of the primary things that yeah. we try to escape. And it, it comes up for me. I remember kind of experiencing this disconnect for the first time in a in a really odd way actually in that the same people that were telling me oh my gosh the hymns are the only songs that you can sing in church and they're really the the only music that you should be listening to young man we're also singing the praises of like oh my gosh isn't frank sinatra so great and isn't he just the and i was like wait a minute just because it's old that means it's okay you know like from what i understand yeah old is holy from what i understand in frank sinatra's life he was not the most holy guy in the world you know and so i think a lot of it just comes down to i I think you're right with fear but a lot of it comes down to this kind of just pre-idealized world that that we try to put ourselves in where we think well this is healthy and this is whole and this is this is good just because it's been that way for a long long time and i think that's dangerous and i think you're right the ability of being able to have the foundational truth of who jesus is and the grace that's been given to your life and how you should live your life but at the same time taking that into the world i it's it's scares me the idea of putting our kids or our youth into an environment where it's always sterile and it's always predictable Jesus Christianity kind of people. When you really look at the scripture and you say, well, this was never meant to stay here. I'm not sure it's emotionally healthy. And I do. And I would say, I would say that we have to be careful that there are, there are seasons for everyone of isolation from the things that have, that have, you know, kept them from God. And so, and they broke away from some of those things, whether it's addictions, whether it's um, unhealthy relationships. Mm. There are things in life that I would say, in, for for a season at least, break break away from those things. Don't keep mm. yourself in unhealthy, worldly, you know, quote unquote, worldly environments if they're not good for you emotionally, um, because there's probably some other things you need to focus in on before you go back into those environments. So I, I wouldn't say, yeah, just enjoy everything the world's got for you. <laughs> you know, there's, I mean, you know, I, I have to be careful the kind of movies I watch right. just because of some of the temptations that I've struggled with in my life. I have to, I have to watch out for that. Yeah. Um, and that all does tie back to emotional, emotional health. Well, what do you think about the young parent, Evan, with regards to this discussion? Oh, like yeah. You got a, a daughter that's not, you know, as young as my kids, two in, in three months, she's actually starting to kind of move into the school kind of area of everything. Yeah. How does this work for you as a parent? <laughs> well, it's funny because as a parent, it scares me to death. Um, thinking of my <laughs> daughter specifically in environments that are, you know, what I would consider dangerous, uh, you know, from public schools to just life to ISIS, you know, whatever. <laughs> but there, it's a scary world. Yeah. Um, but then as a youth pastor, uh, on the flip side of it, I, it was always my stance to say, you know, we're not going to do, for instance, like dance alternatives. We're not going to host them here at the church. Because the second we encourage all of our, our best 
Christian kids to come away from the school, what do we do? We abandon the school to be a darker place. And so I have these competing thoughts in my head. As a parent, it scares me to death. But as somebody who believes that we are called to be in the world, I'm pushing the other direction. So it's, you know, And discipleship becomes huge in that moment, in that conversation. How are we helping our kids become emotionally mature, more like Jesus, before they're like confronted with mm-hmm. that rea- those realities? You know, Jesus took 30 years to prepare before he went out, you know, to do ministry. How are we preparing our young kids to face what the world now is? Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 it's, and it's a discipleship issue. Do they... Are they confident in their relationship with God? Are they able to? Uh, do they know how to resolve conflict in a healthy way? Do they know, um, you know, uh, how to express what their needs are uh, in a way that's life giving to them and to others? I mean, these are these are just principles of for life, and I and I worry that sometimes our discipleship has been probably minimalized um, in light of we're sending them out to face a world that has a lot of temptations, a lot of uh, controversies, a lot of conflicting stories now. Um, and how are we preparing our young people for that? And I've, I've seen some encouraging data coming out. Um, just even the shift between the millennials, which Ben, you and I are in that group. And then the generation that's coming after us, I think 18 and under now, um, some real improvements in things like uh, levels of commitment, uh, career focus, some of the things that millennials are known for not having, yeah. <laughs> you know, a good <laughs> kind of thought process on. I think things are improving for this next generation that's coming up. And I, I think we can have a doomsday attitude mm-hmm. about, well, the world's getting darker and darker and worse and worse. And yeah. I'm not convinced. Nope. Absolutely no, not. it's been a, obviously the world has had a rough go for a long, long time. <laughs> yeah. World War II, you yeah. know, like there's been some rough seasons. Yeah, there's here. been, some, or you even look at the sexual culture of a lot of the the, the cultures from biblical times. You know, the yeah. Colossians and the Corinthians. There was crazy stuff going on in yeah. a lot of those cultures. So it's not it's not new to God. Uh, it's certainly not brand new to the church, but it's something that we're just kind of continually. Yeah, and that and that fight. comes back to how are we helping the people of God live out the the meta narrative of God wanting to reconcile the world to himself how are we helping them live in such a way that's compelling mm-hmm. to the world outside of the of the community of faith and that comes back directly back to emotional health back to your first question Ben about why are we even talking about this what is it Jesus centered i mean we've we are light and salt and and uh, and we can be bad salt or you can be good salt you know you can live a life that's of integrity um, authenticity honesty all of those things, or you can live a life of hypocrisy. Yeah. And I think emotional health kind of directly links to that to that discussion. Yeah. And you mentioned that in your message. You said the reality is Christians struggle as much as anyone else. Um, and if that's the case moving forward, then what's the point? Yeah. If, if this doesn't actually, you know, if this community and scripture, if that doesn't help us be any different, then what's the point? That's exactly right. <laughs> this is the path to not having the same exact outlook as everybody else. Yep. And having a lot of room for people to grow. So we, you know, constantly I keep coming back to that, that we cannot set a bar so high that nobody feels like they can ever get there. And, uh, and only except for that preacher up there that's saying it, you know, that, and not, and not to lower the bar so low that (laughs) everybody gets in without any, you know, without any change. I mean, I don't want to be the same guy. My wife doesn't want me to be the same guy. My kids don't need me to be the same guy that I was, you know, five, ten years ago. 
my world needs a better version of me. Right. Um, and it's not a better version like, oh, I got to fix my life. It's the version that God has always created me to be. Yeah. And I'm and I'm still learning what that is and I'm living into that. And I, and I, and I think that's discipleship. I think that's becoming like Jesus every day is like, I just want to be more like him for me, for my family, for my church, for my community. Um, and that means being emotionally healthier today than I was yesterday. And I think that should be encouraging if you've been going to church for a long time, because sometimes as a preacher, we kind of come back to the conclusion of, okay, I'm going to present this big thesis. And then at the end, I'm going to go, okay, so we're going to worship harder. And we're going to pray even harder than that. And you kind of leave going, and all those things are good, man. I hope you have a great prayer life. I hope you worship yeah. well. I hope you love Jesus in those in those arenas. But I think this is going to give us something to consider that is challenging. It's a little outside of the box. And I think we can even maybe have some more practical application or understanding. There's a little bit more measurables yeah. to this as we go out and we begin to look at our lives in kind of the cold light of day and, and see how God can change our emotional health in that exactly. way. Exactly. Yeah. So one of the big things that I wanted to go behind today as we, you know, we have a handful more minutes, uh, you mentioned toward the end of your message that the church itself has become a culture that is intentionally speaking to married people more often than not. And I've heard dozens of people react to how, uh, to how you presented that to saying, you know, we need to not just talk to married people or parents anymore, that this is, there's a lot of single people out here. So really, I guess my question to you is what's behind that. We're talking about behind the message. What's, what's, what's behind you saying that to everybody this last weekend? Well, it's, I've always had a hard time getting beyond Paul's teachings about marriage and singleness and um, th- where he actually says in, I think it's First Corinthians 7, it is better to not get married. Yeah. And so it's funny how we've kind of avoided that in the church. I mean, I can't remember the last time anybody preached a message on that passage. Right. And, uh, and yet when I was younger, single... And I was called by God to to do his work, not and not like in a full-time capacity like a preacher, but just like called. That was a huge verse for me. That 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 I could give my life in relationships to God and to others without being going to that next level of relationship in terms of marriage. And so that so but you just don't hear that anymore. So for me, Ben, it's been a, a ongoing uh, emerging kind of view of like we need to re- we need to uh, refire the value of singleness in the community of faith because we're losing a lot of people to the great work that God has for them and through them because they're thinking because we've told them that they have to they won't they won't be ready until they're married mm-hmm. and we've got to stop that that we cannot do that anymore um, and so yeah and people that aren't called necessarily to a lifetime of singleness, but can they find purpose in a season of singleness and not just a holding back? Man, I hope so. My goodness. And that's <laughs> where we've done them a disservice is because we haven't fired that, you know, in them. We haven't like fanned that thing up and like, and you have more time, you have more energy, you have less restrictions on you. I'm not saying marriage is full of restrictions, but you know, it is. <laughs> and, uh, but you just have more of, of, just the ability to um, interact with people, connect with people, love on people, serve people. You know, you, you just don't have those other obligations. And I think, 
man, it, even if it's just for a season, that's a season you should lean into and let God, you know, work out the marriage thing in his timing uh, and really and really focus in on it's good to be single. It's time. It's This is the season I'm supposed to be mm-hmm. single. It's good. I'm not, you know, my whole 24-7, I'm not looking for that, you know, Mr. Right, Mrs. Right. I'm just focusing on what God has for me, and then I'll let God worry about, you know, the marriage thing, if that's even part of the plan. And I think it's important as statistics come out telling us that people are getting married later than they used to. Uh, and I think a lot of the churches interpreted that as, oh, well, people just don't think marriage is as sacred and as holy as it used to be. And, you know, maybe there's some of that, but I would say specifically at Westside Church, I know a lot of incredible, wonderful single people that are into their 30s, their mid-30s, and even their 40s. And it's not because they don't think it's sacred. It's it's because, well, they're just looking. They're still looking and they're waiting. And I, and I know it's going to be a big relief to a lot of those people to say, when I'm in the church and the pastor is preaching, they're not talking to somebody else while I am in the room. Instead, I am being yeah. addressed yeah. And, and noticed and counted as important in the middle of all this. Yeah. And I, I mean, I was married at 22, you guys, so I don't have a ton of single stories. Um, I'll share one from this weekend, but it's attached to Susanna's potential girlfriend. So even that. And so I think we've got to pull draw from uh, single leaders in our church more. I think we've got to um, use stories that really hit everybody, not just the marrieds or the parents, um, you know. Uh, and I think Bo is going to be bringing a message in this series yeah. about leading. And I can't and think living. of a better person yeah. to talk about being yeah. single and and married. So leading out of singleness and marriage in emotional health than Bo Stern, who is who is right now single, but was married for many years and now is in a relationship. And I just think that, man, she's going to she's gonna blow it up, I'm yeah. pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, so we're looking forward to the rest of this series. Thanks for being with us today, Steve. If you want to follow us or subscribe, you can do so at Behind the Message. We'll talk to you next week.